Thank you for listening to the Roundtable Consult, where we discuss political and social issues that matter to you from a spiritual, medical, and legal perspective. Join the conversation with your host, Attorney Sonia Madison and Dr. Mark Williams. Welcome to the Roundtable Consult. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Williams, and I'm joined with my ever-evolving co-host, joined by my ever-evolving co-host, Attorney Sonia Madison. How you doing, Sonia? All right. I'm not hearing you very well for some reason. Oh, <clears throat> I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining, but uh, this is all for the purpose of the recording. <laughs> oh, you, you can complain. Okay. Uh, yeah, and you know, some things you just take you just take in stride and and enjoy it. Don't take it for granted. Enjoy those moments. Celebrate the moments of your life. That sounds like a coffee commercial. <laughs> It is real. No, not really. It's just temporal. It's just temporal. (laughs) It won't always be this way. (laughs) One day when we all get to heaven, if you make it, um, we'll love. We'll love every everybody, everything. And so there will be no hatred. Only love. Much love for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how your week been? Hey, there you go. My week has been. My week has been uh, pretty interesting. I um, I'm I'm trying my hand at being an expert witness. By the way, and that, was- that is going to be a tough person that you're defending. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's not the first time I've done it. I give excellent expert witness and uh, witness and <laughs> medical opinions, and so. This week, I had the opportunity to opine on a case and uh, really excited about that. I think I need to start doing that more often. I really enjoyed just reading through some of the uh, the depositions. I, lo- I should have become a lawyer, an attorney. That's what I should have done. I think you watched too much Law and Order. <laughs> what your morning was like, but just stick to. <laughs> no, but- <laughs> But I had an opportunity to read through scores and scores of medical records and then form a medical opinion and uh, defend or uh, refute uh, somebody else's opinion, which I really find really interesting for me. It's it's fulfilling. And so much law and order. Oh, well, don't, 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 don't kill my dreams now. So don't kill them. I've, I've been enjoying it. And so. But what I what I'm what I really like is that I have a medical opinion different than some of the other people who are involved in it. And it's it's fascinates me that you can look at the same. And I think maybe this is why I like politics, because you can look at the same events that occur. We're looking at the same information, but we're seeing two totally different perspectives and we're interpreting this thing two totally different ways. Just so happens that my way is the right way, like usually happens here on the Roundtable Consult. Just so happens that that's the case in this situation, just as usual. And so. And no opposition, no opposition. There you go, exactly. When you argue with a fool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they said when you entertain a clown, you become part of the circus, too. So I won't do that. But you know, speaking of judiciary, are you excited that uh, President Biden has officially announced who he is nominating to the court? Excited? I don't know about excited necessarily. I wouldn't call it excited. It's just an appointment. But uh, I'm, I'm glad <laughs> to see. As she is unquestionably black with a name like Katanji. <laughs> <laughs> like Katanji. There will be no question in most people's mind. Was she a black woman? Yes, her name is Katanji. <laughs> it's funny that you said, and I laugh because that was some of the feedback that I was getting this past week was, hey, this isn't going to be like a Kamala or even like a Barack. She is black. We're not, we don't need to labor her person of color, just black. 
braids and all braids i'm like all right go ahead yeah. uh but but to you, i mean one of the, of course always the issue is oh well it's affirmative action hire or she's not qualified let's first remind people I mean, you are the first, particularly the first black person, you are overly qualified for the position. I mean, it, it's any black person will tell you, you have to exceed beyond the expectation to be considered in this role. So not only is she a Harvard undergrad at Harvard Law, which, of course, interesting enough, then you had, I believe it was um, Senator Graham saying, oh, so we got another Harvard Ivy League person in there. I really wanted to get someone that was from the state university. And I was like, yeah. So then you could flip it and be like, see, she's not qualified. She's not qualified. She needs to get exactly. <laughs> let's get a white person, a white person from a state school. Then that would be better. Let's 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 put it on that one because she already has enough obstacles that you all will place in her ways. That doesn't need to be one of them. She needs to be um, impeccable and and unimpeachable uh, in every one of her characters. So we'll start seeing what they what they dig up from her personal life over over time. You know what? things that I do like about her is that she was a public defender and that's not something you see very often and for some of you who don't know public defenders are usually people that represent criminals who cannot afford a representation so I mean you see the prosecutor for the state and sometimes you'll see a public defender um, for the defense because that person cannot afford their own representation but here in the United States everyone has the right to representation um, particularly when you're being charged with a a pretty high offense. And so a lot of the people that have, some of the prosecutors that have spoke out said she was an excellent public defender. She really defended a lot of people. But to your point about, oh, what are they going to dig up? I don't doubt there'll be a lot of questions on how could you have represented someone who committed this heinous crime and all this kind of, you know, how could you represent someone who, who raped and all that? Um, as if they, again, we know for you viewers, everyone deserves representation. So that alone is why you should have to make sure someone has um, representation so that when they are either found guilty or innocent, they have had adequate and, and sufficient representation to ensure that their position has been prepared and, and evaluated by the jury. So, so I think why, that, that's why is it one. important to have a public defender on the Supreme Court then? Or someone because again, who has that experience. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's, it's rare that you, when we often look at some of these nominees, and of course, I mean, I know I'll hop on Amy Coney Barrett, but even um, Brett Kavanaugh, what you typically see is um, either private litigation experience. Sometimes some of, the, some of them are prosecutors, but you rarely see someone who works for the public defender. Um, and, and again, I just think it's good because you do need that perspective when they when evaluating some of these opinions a lot of the opinions and I dare say even most of the opinions that go to the Supreme Court are people who are saying they had inefficient counsel or their death penalty um, cases or there are people trying to appeal their convictions and again oftentimes you have an automatic appeal depending on the crime that you're committed um, and so it's good to have that perspective in the Supreme Court when evaluating some of these cases. And one, one of perhaps one of the biggest cases, and I know I'm sorry, but I just just but one of the biggest cases when we're talking about criminal events is whether or not someone who is a minor, and I know we've talked about this before, should be considered um, or have a conviction or a sentence of life without parole. And again, the Supreme Court overturned that and saying, you know, perhaps that is too extreme for a minor. But again, if you don't have that perspective of someone who is actually defended. Um, someone who could not have afforded representation and we can probably presume the minors do not have sufficient money to afford their defense, uh, to have, again, that perspective of, of their mentality and whether they appreciated the crime and all this kind of stuff in my views opinions is important. And I know that people say, well, you only should stick to the letter of the law. You shouldn't have any subjectivity or shouldn't have any influence, but we're humans. I mean, I'm sorry, a, a jury of 12 people is a, is a reason why they said 12, 12 members of your peers, because they know that that perspective is something that is often considered when um, even 12 juries evaluate uh, innocence or guilty. Hmm. Well, it'd be interesting to put on there, but she's going to bring all of that wokeness to the bench. Who is that? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> was that uh, Kennedy? I think it was. You know, we didn't want somebody on the court who didn't know the difference between a law book and a J. Crew catalog. And <laughs> now they're going to bring all that wokeness to the that left wing wokeness to the bench. And I'm saying, I think like what what you're really saying is that you don't want anybody who considers that uh, we should treat each American citizen equally. You know, regardless of race, creed, or color, whatever. Right. Huh? I was gonna say, or better yet, consider it's critical race theory. Because I mean, of course, that's that's always the talking point, and that's something again I studied in law school because you see it in some of these cases. But now, all of a sudden, we don't want anyone that has that knowledge of how we've used race to manipulate some of our decisions. <laughs> we don't want that anymore. <laughs> No, keep that quiet. Keep that quiet. We, we were just fine the way we were <laughs> before you colored folk came in here and started started rustling the feathers. <laughs> you know, and and it, it's Black Girl Rule Week. This is that that this is a Black Girl Rule Week. In fact, this is a Black Lives Matter Week. Uh, because as we'll talk about some of the other cases later on, but I I do want to point out. Um, interestingly, you mentioned some of her qualifications before about Harvard undergrad, Harvard, um, Harvard Law School. And, but she also, uh, coincidentally, maybe not so coincidental, um, I understood she clerked for Justice Stephen Breyer. I don't even know what that means to clerk for someone. <laughs> Uh, but apparently that's what and people you do. Be a lawyer. <laughs> I don't want to be a lawyer. I just want to act like one of them on TV. Maybe I'll go. I told Doris my next career. I said, I think I want to become an actor. <laughs> and the director said next. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I'm offended that you would say such a thing. How could you say something like this to me? You can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> Listen, if, if our viewers, if our radio listeners could see my face, they would understand the passion that I was speaking with. And they would understand that you should never cross me like that again and doubt my talents and my abilities. <laughs> I rest but my case. A clerk oftentimes is someone who's straight out of law school and they will work with a judge to pretty much help do their research and help write some of their opinions. Uh, so, I mean, some, some people may call it like an apprenticeship for someone who may be considering a path in the, in the judiciary, but typically, again, it's someone that's right out of law school um, and been having just some experience doing some research and some writing for a judge. And so to your point, the fact that she was Justice Breyer, who is, is from some of our viewers may know, he's the person that's retiring. The fact that she was his clerk and he says that she was excellent. He speaks nothing but her praise um, in, in terms of having this nomination. Again, this Senate hearing will not be about qualifications. So let's be clear on that. <laughs> it will not be about qualifications, unlike the latest or the last person that was placed on the bench. But this will essentially be politics. And I, it's going to be interesting because even if you said um, Lindsey Graham, I, I bring him back up again, but he actually nominated her or not nominated, confirmed her to the U.S. District Court of Appeals for the District of, of Columbia Circuit. So for him to come back and change that vote. Again, it won't be about qualifications. <laughs> oh, he's already said that he was going to. He was one. I think there were a couple, a handful of Republicans who actually voted over the her last two appointments to become, I guess, a federal district judge, and then over the district of Washington, uh, District of Columbia. Um, I think she had bipartisan votes on that one, and Lindsey Graham was among them. So he voted for her in the first place, and now he's saying, you know, I don't think that I, she, I'm going to have her support because this is just. Uh, that means that the left wing has won. I'm like, dude, this isn't this isn't battle. This isn't this isn't a, a board game or something like this. This is real life, and now you just can't let the left wing win at anything. So you, you you're basically saying that it's going to be strictly politics. Put on your boxing gloves. Yeah, well, and I didn't know if he was saying I, I definitely won't. I know he was critical because his person didn't get it. Because um, I know he was trying to push for one of his, I guess, um, South, South Carolina judges to be on the court. But again, a black it, 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 she was a black woman. She was okay, a black good. woman. <laughs> and she went to a state school. That's why 
somebody kept saying, why could we consider someone from a state school? Uh, but but again, as you pointed out, he's already deemed her qualified to sit on a appellate court. So to now act as if, okay, she no longer qualified, oh, strictly politics. And then don't think we will not see it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I but can also- only imagine if she if she did, if we did have somebody that was from a state school, they would always question the veracity or the legitimacy of her rulings and her positions or opinions. Um, I'm told that she had like 600 opinions on as as a federal court judge or something, and 12 of them were, only 12 of the 600 were actually reversed. I don't know if that's a good record. It sounds like it's a pretty good record. That's uh, what, 1% would be 60 or something like, or six? I must say, I would need to see Six, when two so percent. Again, we've talked about this before. The court has become so political that it seems as if the actual content and then the the actual legislation of the law <laughs> is no longer as relevant. Um, so I'd have to see. To to your point, I mean, it is a good record, but nonetheless, if ten of those were in this past year, the past couple of years, <laughs> then I'd be like, uh, that that's that court. Yeah. <laughs> So so that means that 98% of your rulings were deemed to be upheld and and were legitimate and sound rulings. Um, I think that's a pretty good record. uh, Because I I have a question for you, though. Um, And and, and sorry to cut you off, but it's still on this because someone comes out, I know, right? Because you weren't going to say anything. (laughs) 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 Someone was asking me about this, and this is a little bit off her um, record, which again, we've agreed is, is really good. But, you know, she's married to a white guy. And, you know, Kamala was married to a white guy. And of course, we're talking about Black Lives Matter. Is that as a Black man <laughs> bother you that she married a white guy? Are you trying to get me in trouble, say some things like that publicly? <laughs> I mean, what are you talking about? I got in trouble last week, so I figured, why don't we just keep that trouble train going? <laughs> You know what? I think I think black men are more accepting of interracial marriages than black women are. My son married a white woman. Well, she's she's biracial. She's married to a, a she's white and Mexican, so she's biracial. And you know, I don't have a problem with that. I do. Uh, it, it was interesting because I was watching uh, television, and there's oh <laughs> no, actually we were watching Jimmy Kimmel live last night, and I think Bubba Wallace was a guest. And, my, and he mentioned, he says, it's my fiance's back door, uh, back in the stage. And my wife and I, I asked her, I said, so is his fiance white or black? She's like, white. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just know that he's, I know she's white. And so she seemed a little bit bitter about that. But uh, but she really didn't, not with Bubba Wallace, because she was like, no, not, not many sisters going to be terribly interested in him. So. You know my sentiments. I, I, I think that um, even as it relates to this perspective of a Black woman, I think we are more accepting of when Black women date outside the race versus when Black men date outside the race. And I think some of that is, and I, I'd imagine, again, this is probably going to be one of those sensitive topics, but I think some of that is, you know, when you look at higher education and you see the increase in numbers of Black women that are seeking higher degrees and are, are in professional settings in certain professions, it, it, it continues to increase, whereas the number of Black men decreases. So to some degree, we're like, well, you know, the circles or the options for Black women are not as vast when it comes to staying within their race as Black men. Um, but I think there's also some, to some degree, that in, in implicit, again, we've talked about this, we feel like Black women are the least protected um, socioeconomic and as well as racial and, and gender group. Um, but we've also talked about, and, and I know we haven't talked about this extensively, but there is to some degree this ideal that white women are the trophy, they're to the, the epitome or the symbol of success. And so to then achieve that is something some rubbing of an eagle of a, of a black man versus you know staying with your own and and looking at at black women with that same level of adoration yeah i think that's i think that's the insecurity of a black woman and uh, oh the hate oh the hate I, I, <laughs> I, I, 
I just think that's the bottom line. I think that's what it is. The, uh, the truth is, is that there's a lot of insecurity in black women. It's not because it's inherent in them to be that way. It's because I think society sort of like beat it into them to say that you're worth less than a white woman. And when they see a black man with a white woman, they start thinking like, you know, it's that that starts playing back in their in their heads and into their psyche. This is my, you know, my psychoanalytic position or opinion on it. But I, <laughs> because I really do think that black women think it's more of a status symbol than black men do. Black men just want a woman who's going to love wow. them and who's wow. going to who's going to oh, get along with them. Black Absolutely, okay. they can. Absolutely, they can. But I think they're, I think they're less likely, less inclined to be as, as discriminative, um, and oh, really? by race, oh, really? by race, you know, not really? to have race be the discriminating factor. You, you think know? it's more black men um, not dating outside their race than black women? No, I think there's more black men black dating men outside. Their race. Exactly. Right. So I think, yet, I think. They're less discriminating when it comes to race and love. Yeah, when it comes to race and love, because the 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 reality is is that most black men just want a partner, someone who's going to be compatible with them, who's going to be at their side. And more compatible. Let's talk about the history of they can find that black men. But but she's not not the but but his fiance his fiance is not the one that killed him. Being a lit because of white women. Time to let it go. Time to let it go. Shania, it's time to let it go. But when I'm looking at this woman. History is important when we're talking about like a black history mother, we're talking about even judiciary opinions. But then history becomes irrelevant when we're talking about (laughs) social dating. I got you. (laughs) What becomes relevant when it comes to me extending love and devoting myself and making a covenant to a person who I plan to be with for the rest of my life? What matters to me is that person, not that person's grandparents or that person's great grandparents or even for that matter, that person's parents. What matters is how do you treat me? What are your beliefs? What are your convictions? How do you treat me? How do you care for me? And if you meet those criteria and you happen to be of a different race, I'm not going to say, oh, you're disqualified because you're a white woman. Beliefs are not relevant. Got you. Say that again. The people that instill these certain beliefs to this person is not relevant. Okay. We never practice all the beliefs. We never <laughs> practice all the beliefs to the, uh, that our parents did. I don't know if you practice everything that your mother believed or your parents believed. Everything I'm sure you don't. Everything versus core values are completely different. But what, what difference now, if you're is saying, your you're saying core values. values. Your parents, I think that's a different conversation than say, oh, I don't do everything that they've done. That woman's, <laughs> that, that adult woman's core values are the result of decisions that she made when she became an adult. Now, okay. you can teach somebody okay. all you want to teach them to hate, but the only time you start to hate is when you choose to hate. And when you choose to discriminate. And so that's. We do need to get a psychologist on you because they will often tell you (laughs) that what has been presented in front of you is what you know. So to try to go do something that you have never seen or presented is not even seen as an option because you don't know how to live that certain way. What does that what does that what does that have to do with dating someone outside your race? We're talking about core values. We're talking about the, the people that you are choosing to surround yourself with. All so that. you're saying that white people have less core values than a black person? I'm saying that to say that, oh, a white person, a white woman and a black woman are the same. The only thing that's different is their skin tone. I never is, said I, that. I never I, said that. <laughs> and so black men, to say that black men will want all the same characteristics that he'll find in a black woman all the time is also equally wrong. So a black men may want to have characteristics that he sees that's uncommon in he black women. Black, black black mother anymore. Once he what he wants now is the white mother that he has no clue, <laughs> and then their See, parenting and all that. That's right, that insecurity okay, talk. Okay. That's that insecurity talking. That's that okay. black girl. That's yeah. that black girl insecurity. We're talking about black girl power this week has insecurities so to try every to make person it does like, oh black women has these insecurities and the rest of the world i'm is not just saying that i'm not saying that still, they have we, no white women white women have their insecurities as well black men 
black women, white men, white women. If no one has insecurities. No, we all have insecurities. Just because I point one out doesn't mean that it's that the other person doesn't have it. Have one. Black men have insecurities too. So is that part of why they're also seeking white women? No. That's oh, less right. likely. That is like I, I'm just telling you as a black man. I'm just telling you as a black man, and the black men that I know that date white women, a black are, man who did not marry a white woman. Say that again. You are a black man who did not marry a white woman. Absolutely. All right. So then, yeah, you're speaking as a black man, but not as a black man who married someone outside his race. But I'm a black man who said I would not if I found the characteristics that I loved in a woman. And a white woman, I would not hesitate to marry her you because she's a white that. woman. You were huh? surrounded by white women in all aspects of your life. Why didn't you? Because I didn't find in them the characteristics that I liked. And why don't you think you did? Probably because I didn't socialize a lot with them. Most of the time I socialized, <laughs> I limited my socialization to black people. And now, there are. Now, was it, that an insecurity of yours, Mark? No, that was not because it was. You know what? These I understand. I am comfortable. Um, I, I know the values of people that are more similar and look at me. And this is how I choose my social circle. No, there were a lot of people in my social circles who did not share the same values that I did. And, and they were black. And so those were people that I would not have dated, even though they were and black. you didn't marry them. But and you, I did I not marry them. them. You still but, said, but I'm going to stick to the black race. No, and no the reality, the reality. You the reality the reality of the age in which I grew up, which is a different generation. Oh, now, now, we're, <laughs> <laughs> now history matters. <laughs> now history matters. The reality of it is, is that most of us, most of us, and even still today, people socialize mostly around the people who are culturally and socioeconomically similar to them. When you put someone in a different socioeconomic environment where there is more diversity, then they're more likely to find some of those traits in a spouse among those people who they socialize with. So that to me, I don't think it's I don't think it's a factor of race. I think it's a factor of socialization. Who did you grow up around? My kids, my my uh, sons, for example, went to a high school that was zero point one percent black. So who do you think most of their friends were going to be? They were probably going to be white people. We lived in a neighborhood that was predominantly white. They were surrounded by other black people. So you had all these black friends, but you said, I want my kids to not have black friends. No, I would never say I want my well, kids man, to not have black friends. I had, I didn't have a lot of, um, there were not like a, a plethora of black people in my school, but nonetheless, we had community, we had church, we had all and various other social settings in which you're still surrounded by people that are culturally the same as you, as you like to put it. I'm not so saying they're culturally the same. No, 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 don't put that on me. Don't put on the old school or because my child couldn't go to a predominantly black school. That's why she So you're equating, you're conflating. Don't You're conflating culture with race, and culture and race are not necessarily the same. I'm using your words when you said no, those well, weren't mine. That are culturally similar to that's what you exactly. said. So I'm like, I'm exactly. That's not that may or may not be racial. That may or may not be racial. I'm just repeating what you said. So you chose instead of putting them oh. in various church settings, um, Boy Scouts. They were in church settings. They were. Community. To but the reality is. Enhance their circles because I will say most, a lot of my friends in church were just as influential a part of my life as friends that were in school. And it depends so, on what kind of church, it depends on what church you go we're to. We're talking about you. It, <laughs> it, I'll tell you what church. I went, to a bi- I went to a biracial, I went to a multicultural I church. So I went church to. 0.1% black. Or was it uh, my church was higher? probably 20 or 30 percent black. OK, so it continues to increase. So then sports, does that not continue to increase the number of. Why um, we got to go to sports? Why does that? Why is it? So I all of a sudden you choose sports activity. and now you're going to see more black people. Then. Church, and then I just said sports. The I'm point just talking about activities. Listen, the activities, they, they spend like six you, hours a day in school. school. They spend six. To meet friends. And that's not fair. They spend six hours a day in school. The reality is, is that the people who they go to school with are going to be next to their parents, the most influential people in their lives. 
because nobody else spends that much time with them. And so you interact mostly with people of a different culture, uh, white people, if you go to a predominantly white school. You go to but a predominantly son, black school, you're going to interact with those. Did he meet his wife at his high school? Did he meet his wife at his high school? Yeah. No. No, he didn't. Okay. Then let's throw out that argument that you keep like, No, but he established, <laughs> but at the only way that kids no. have. No, so I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that as as a as a teenager, <laughs> as a teenager, he developed preferences. He developed social norms and 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 music preferences and things of that nature. And those things are going to develop in part based off of the people that you hang around in school. You go to college. Chances are you're probably still going to hang around the same group of people because that you found commonality with in high school. And so in college, you're probably going to find more. If you go to a predominantly white school as a black person, chances are you'll probably be much more comfortable interacting with a bunch of white people than you would with a bunch of black people who you may not necessarily be all that familiar with and or, you know, or find a lot of commonality with. Just because you're black don't mean that you're going to have commonality with everybody else that's black. There were a lot of people, I grew up in the hood. I grew up in a in a 99% black neighborhood, went to a 99% black uh, high school, went to a predominantly white institution where all the black people hung out together, and guess what? I still was sitting thing like there's some of these black folks up here. I'm not I'm not fooling with them. They they're way outside of anything that would be acceptable for me. That and um and there will be some white people. And there will be some white people. Black person is gonna be friends. No one is exactly. ever saying All right. So then so so why would why would you why would you exclude white people? Why would you exclude white people? We're talking about choosing your spouse, which is a political decision if you want to be honest. We're talking about choosing your spouse. It is. I'm sorry. Even oh, even biblically, even biblically, um, when first of all, in the beginning in Genesis, when sons of God were marrying daughters of men of their choosing, and because of that, God was seeing that there was a lot of evil and hatred going wrong uh, going on in the world. And then Noah comes and, and builds the ark to to dispel all that. I mean, he talks about marriage. When you talk about uh, one of the, I can't forget his name off the top, but the another arranged marriage that God had um, for one of the, again, I can't remember his name, but he had his children listed, named by the various tribes of Israel to show their con- continuous destruction and downfall. The wife at one point left him and went and messed around with other people. But then he told her, he told her, me, him, oh, go get her back and, and you know, re- sustain that marriage. So political is also a political decision in terms of your marriage. Okay, so how do you explain Moses? Who and married was a dark-skinned woman? Who didn't, was he not chastised by his yeah. own family? Or what it came it to didn't matter. Family? It didn't matter. But, but the point was, is that when you say it's biblical, it's, it's, so what are you saying when something is biblical? So I guess you're saying that if it's I'm biblical, it meaning that it's simply mentioned in the Bible. You, you there's a lot of things not, that are mentioned. But do you like it or not? Who who you choose to marry is is going to say something about you when it comes to the world, like it or not. And I think even Barack Obama was very mindful of that when he decided to marry Michelle. And again, not saying that there was no love there or not. I'm yeah. That. So the question is, is what do you want to say to world to the world by limiting yourself to only your own race? Again, it's not what, what, did, what is it? I, I, you didn't answer that question. I want to know what are you trying to say to the world by saying I'm going to limit my marriage, my spouse to someone of my own race? Please. Can I answer it? Okay. Please. First of all, it's not just black people that says it's to the world. And I think that's an often. Um, <clears throat> I didn't ask about okay. other people. I asked uh, what are you trying to say to the world right, when you choose you. someone, when you that's limit yourself to someone of your own race? <laughs> one, it's not just black people that does this. It is something that is often, but not often, that is also um, prevalent in Asian communities. It's prevalent even in the white community. And it's prevalent um, in, in South African communities. So you're justifying you your position by saying everybody it's else does it. They do it, it too, also, so it's okay for me to do it. It's also prevalent in African communities when they try to have you stick to their tribes. So that's one. But two, because of that, what you are saying is, hey, I, one, have grown up in this culture, grown up in this that is aligned with how I feel, that is part of who I am, and I want to marry someone who's compatible and understanding of the same. Most 
marriages that you talk about, um, and this is one of the statistics, the highest statistics in divorce are in interracial marriages. Say what you want to say about that. Um, but the point is, I mean, it's- They're also it's in Christian high. marriages too, so what does that not mean? Not the highest, not the highest statistics. I'm saying the highest statistics of divorce is in interracial marriage. Um, and so you can say what you want about that too. Um, but I'm just saying it's a political decision. And, and so, you know, it is what it is. Neither here nor there. We're talking about Black Lives Matter. And you didn't. <laughs> and you did. Well, Black Lives Matter. <laughs> black wives matter too. <laughs> black wives. That's what we're talking about. Black wives. <laughs> but you still, you still did not answer the question. What are you trying? You told me what everybody else is trying to say. I've asked you. Value my culture, how much I value the upbringing that I have, how much I value um, having two parents that were also of the same race, how much I value the the uh, uh, the upbringing and and the perspective that comes not only from being a, a black person but also from being um, a product of two parents who not only overcame various segregation, civil rights, the like stories of which that are passed down to me to this day, but also shows that resilience that comes a lot from our culture by the means of which we've had to survive. So, now, yes. What about it. that? What about those that that demonstration and those characteristics cannot be duplicated by marrying somebody in another race? <clears throat> because you presume you presume that if you have to be the only black woman or only black. Girl oh, so now you're talking about the only black. You could be the only poor mom, person. Mom, all right. My so, mom was the only black girl in one of her schools. Sorry, and to say that that has no impact. How does that? How does that benefit? How she then been? How she saw the world and how she passed that on to me would be crazy. Same with my father. He was part of the march. To say that has no impact on how he sees the world and on the lessons that he. There were plenty of white people that were part of the march too. And, and so you think the white person standing in marching they, has the same? There, no, person. I didn't say I didn't say the same. Okay, so Why would I'm you say the same? I'm saying I'm saying that I'm saying the same benefits that you can get the same benefit that you can get from perspective from the from a black man that marched in the movement that failed as a result and that okay. also lived in Alabama. You know, I was watching and I forget her name, but she had the most honest response. She was a white woman and she said, you know, I was visiting an HBCU. She went to Tennessee State University for several weeks and she goes to the teacher and she says, you know what? I get it. I get what it's like to be a minority. And that teacher corrected her real quick because she was like, no, we're friends and I love you to death, but you don't get it because the reality is you can go home. You can leave. Mm -hmm. We don't have that same choice. And so to say that that doesn't have a cultural impact and perspective. Sure it does. Sure it does. So let me tell you something else that let me tell you something else that has a let me tell you understand even as I am putting myself in these situations I can never understand what it is that that a black woman goes through. I get it now. This is this is this is how this is how I know. Let me say this to our listeners and to our viewers. This is how you know when Sonya has lost the point because. You know, when your argument is sound, you don't have to be loud. You don't have to be constantly in your face. You just speak the truth and let the argument was, then let it work for you. And so, so, so what you see, what happens is that <laughs> she will not allow me to be able to get a word in edgewise. She has to keep interjecting and keep viewers, talking and talking. Please comment. Who has talked more, me or Mark? Please, There's, I want the viewers to then <laughs> to weigh in on all these points that you're even, saying. Even, even as a. <laughs> Even as I say this, she interrupts me. <laughs> so, as, as let case in point, please, wait, viewers, please there, come in. There it goes. Mark, <laughs> like all these poll questions that are coming in. <laughs> she just can't let me get the point out. But what I was trying to say is that yes, every experience adds value, and to suggest that the experience that a black person have had by being the only one in their in their class or being on the front line of civil rights movement or being persecuted because of the color of your skin. Yes, that adds value. But you got to understand that there's also cultural value obtained and being a white person who was uh, uh, who's a descendant of abolitionists. It, it comes from a white person who's on the front line of civil rights and who have been called an N-word lover and who have been persecuted 
persecuted and prosecuted and and castigated because of their their defense and their advocacy for white people for black people. It also can come from a perspective of a white person, frankly, who who grew up in a house with bigots. And there's like I can't stand the things that my parents have said, and 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 it really colored my impression about some, or tried to color my impression about some things. There's some experience in that, and there's some value that can be brought to a relationship, even in that type of person. And if you automatically dismiss that by saying that's less important than the experience that I've had, then you miss something. So when people marry someone of a different race, yes, they may be saying something different than what you're saying to the world about who they married. They may be saying, I want to see the world learn to love each other, kind of like I love this woman or this woman loves me, despite the color of our skin. And so they may want to try to demonstrate Straight that. Nice try. Nice try. <laughs> I'm just nice saying. Try. I'm just saying. <clears throat> nice and, try. And, and here's the reason Don't why. Ask Clarence Thomas, if he got all that by marrying his white wife, <laughs> who well, is now an advocate of the January 6th insurrection and all that that comes with it. Go ask her. Go uh, ask him that same question. <laughs> I can ask my son. I can ask, I can I can ask my son. And 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 every time and even when I see them and when I ask your son if those were her parents. When when I see them together, I start saying, you know what? We don't have to be as separate of people as we as we have done uh as we have been in the past. When I look on television and I see just about every other commercial has a biracial kid in it. I'm sitting and thinking like, we're really making progress. We're making progress where we don't have to say everything has to be black or white. I do still want you to see color, but I don't want the color of my skin to be viewed in a negative light. What, and I don't want the color of your skin, if you're a white person, to be viewed in a negative light. And the only way that we can overcome those obstacles is by having interaction with each other, not just superficial interaction, but true love and true connection. And if you truly love and have a true connection with someone, the next next logical step is romantic involvement and or marriage. And so why, why can't you love somebody of a different race? Why is that a problem? It's interesting perspective because oftentimes for me, when I, and this is conversations that happens a lot, particularly in the music industry, the question is why can't we see more dark skinned black women on screen? Why is it that, and, and I don't know, names are escaping me, but she was an actress that played in Crash. She's um, currently in one of these movies and she sent out this whole video about, I am so sorry for all the black women in which the roles that I took because they didn't want to hire the dark skinned black woman. They wanted to be safe or wanted to, you appeased society seen as a beauty by hiring the uh, the ambiguous or the mixed person, um, and so that is an issue that has played. Ambiguous, Ooh, yeah, directly ambiguous, really? uh, racially ambiguous because you don't know what the race is, um, or, or mixed person, and so that is an issue that remains today. The colorism problem, and so while you see it as oh great unity, the rest of a lot of people see it as see again. Why are you choosing not to choose the black, the dark skin, even Nina Simone? Why is it that um, Zoe Zaldana plays her when Viola Davis was perfect to play her? You know, it's just stuff like that. Like you're still missing uh, the, the, the protection and the integrity of dark skinned black women. So Sorry. you can look at the glass <laughs> as you can look at the glass as being uh, half empty or you can look at the glasses filling up. And what happens is that yes, granted, there are. You say, "Hey, fill up, black men." Yeah, we are. No, we're 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 making progress. Are we there? Are we there yet? Absolutely not. You're all black men. The rest, the rest of us is protect us, black men. See the beauty in your own black men. You're gonna regret. If you ever run for political office, you're going to regret this episode. <clears throat> you make sure I don't run. <laughs> this podcast makes sure that we both disqualify ourselves from any, <laughs> from any political position. <laughs> Here's the deal. Are we there yet? No, we're nowhere near there. But we are starting to see that Black lives matter more than they have in the past. Look at Viola Davis. Viola Davis is probably one of the most highly compensated dark skinned women 
she's on the she's the cover girl woman for God's sake. You like cover girls like listen, we want Viola <laughs> Davis, snotty cry lady, you know. Every black feature of a woman that you can get, you'll find it in Viola Davis. Play some of the most hideous and ugly looking roles at some point or another. But then they say, we want you to be our cover girl because she's a black girl. She's a black woman. And they're recognizing the beauty in that dark skin. There was a, when was it, a couple years ago when there was five oh, Miss Black? You should ask yourself how she got there. Yeah. So who, who was the director that followed How her? you got there? How you got there is important, but the fact that you're there, the fact that you're there and you're creating an opportunity for other people. Leading role is so big that you forever have not been able to do. That's what I'm just saying. Black women are ones helping each other to be able to rise up, but we still become the least protected group. You, how you got there is important, but the fact (laughs) that you got there and you're helping other people get there is more important. It's more and, important. And, and you better believe that you didn't get there just because of other black women. You got there because of some white men, too, who said, you know, we have to make a change. The, the, the uh, uh, Katanji is getting where she is going now because just, a white man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> because, of, because a white man. The reality of it is, is because of a white man. And the reality is, is that if we don't hold the power we don't hold the money in this country and until we do or don't hold the influence and until we do guess who we have to depend on we have to depend on conscious-minded white people white people who are who are sympathetic to uh justice and who are who are understanding that um that all men are and who really do believe in their core that all men are created equal and so we need to depend on those people, but to totally disparage, how can you not admire somebody who actually goes to to, to bat for uh, people or, or entire race, realizing that they themselves can be ostracized in their pursuit? But they say, I'm going to lay it all on the line. I'm not saying that Joe Biden did this, but I'm saying that there are white people and there have and been. Be it's not because of a white man that she is where she is. Let's be clear on that, too. I mean, she grew up with two parents who were also, I think one was a lawyer, and I can't remember what the other one was. She will not be a Supreme Court nominee without a white man. If it weren't for a white man. She won't be where she was if she didn't have all these. When I say where she she was, I mean a a nominee. nominee. She wouldn't have the credentials that she has if it it wasn't for a lot of black people, including my Absolutely. family, that got her to where she is. So don't don't make it. Absolutely, don't I didn't say man. only. I didn't say only because of a white man, but because because of a white man, she's the justice. That's not at fair. This, at this point, she would not be a Supreme Court justice nominee if she, if it were not for a white man named Joe Biden. And I would, I would again twist that she would not be a Supreme. Who Court else going to nominate her? Who else is going to nominate her? But I'm saying without the help, because again, she I get has it. to have I get it. That's fine. She has to have the credentials, and she would not have those credentials to be able to be considered without me, a lot of people coming in and helping her. Let me and make an observation. People- <laughs> let me make another observation. Here's the deal. There's always... <laughs> we're not, we're not white. <laughs> you, you, you always go to these extremes. I agree. Stream, like. I'm, I'm, I agree with you. Listen, I agree no, with you. Don't, don't put white savior complex here. <laughs> I agree with you that there were a lot of black people that helped her get there. And I, I'd always say that. I always say I agree with that. But the challenge is, is to get you to at least be able to see the other perspective and even admit that she would not be a Supreme Court nominee without a white man named yeah, Joe Biden. Is that right? Is that right? Just just let me hear you just admit it one time. It, it'll be it'll be liberating for you. Would I, I she don't need, I don't need would Katanji Brown come out? I don't need the story, the documentary to come out that say, oh, this poor white black girl. I'm was just saying until the today, so white man came today, whatever, to today, today, 2022. February 2022. Would Katanji Brown Jackson be a Supreme Court nominee today if it were not not for a white man named Joe Biden? Let's not forget South Carolina. 
if it wasn't for South Carolina saying, nah, you better come and help us, um, help put a black woman on the Supreme Court if we're going to have you elected, Joe Biden. You just can't <laughs> bring yourself to say it, can you? You just can't bring yourself to say it. I made sure. Now you're not getting these electoral votes until you get that promise. It is so funny. This is so funny. This is so funny. So one more time, one more time. I'm not going to make you feel too uncomfortable, but I'm enjoying this for the moment. But I'm just asking today, January, the I mean, February, the 20th, whatever it is. The February the- Okay, so you're one of those only Black Lives Matter people. <laughs> you're like, only Black Lives Matter. There you go. I got you. I got you. I hear you. But... <laughs> yeah, only because he was going to help Black Lives Matter more. But I get it. I get it. I get it. It's a difficult thing. It's like a terrible when you see the lost sheep, man. We got to get that. We need help. We'll get you there. Well, the other thing that happened this past week that I think that helps to demonstrate that the glass is filling is that we've had, I think it was both of those uh, federal cases where uh, for George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, did they come back with the verdict well, for Arbery? the federal, federal case, federal hate crimes. But the George Floyd, are you talking about the others that, uh, yes, outside yeah. of yeah, the others. Was it, I'm not sure if that was federal or that was back in state. It was but. a federal. I think it was a federal. I I believe it was a federal um, court that they a federal jury found them guilty of violating uh, George Floyd's civil rights, and mm-hmm. I think that's remarkable. That probably I don't know that that has ever happened before in the history of our country. Uh, same situation down in Georgia. Where you know, you know, that was a slam dunk one. <laughs> it is, but you know, but the the sad part is that most of us were still wondering: Will anybody ever view it as a violation of his civil rights? And there's plenty of opportunity to justify. But what you see is that there's a gradual change in the sentiment of America, where people are start white people are starting to say, "Wait a minute, this isn't fair." And and that shouldn't happen. These types of things shouldn't happen to black people. Black lives are starting to matter. They're starting to matter. Do they matter to the level that they should or to the level that you'd want them to at this point? Absolutely not. But guess what? That glass is still half empty right now, but it is filling, Sonya. I want you to be encouraged that it is filling. It may not be filling as quickly as you'd like it to feel, but it is. You that black man? <clears throat> And the, well, <laughs> and I promise you, I promise you, one of the reasons why it's happening is because black people are engaging on a deeply emotional level with white people, and white people are realizing this person loves like I love, this person bleeds like I bleed, this person has desires like I desire, because we come together and we've actually made children together, and so when we start seeing more you know, of that. I think that we- the documentary of George Floyd is going to be about black people saying white people don't his, you emotionally listen his to girlfriend was white his girlfriend was white they're going to see how Kyle Rittenhouse instead of being part of the, the solution went out and shot his shotgun <laughs> they're going to see subsequent insurrectionists they're going to see honestly the even the emergence of a Donald Trump kind of thwarts your argument that white people are, um, on a on a this no. grand scale has become more empathetic because again Donald I don't think Trump it does very clear to separate the races he he called out Mexicans as <laughs> drug dealers and rapists he said Muslims are terrorists I mean he made sure to put divide between us and he while Joe Biden won Trump still had a record number of people that voted for him this is true. This is true, but you can't let that overshadow the fact and the reality that <clears throat> that interracial marriages are actually advancing the cause of black people. Well, that's your argument. Interracial, <laughs> let me say interracial love. Interracial love is advancing the cause of black people uh, for equity. Uh, let me say of racial equality and equ- maybe not equity, but racial equality in America. You can't you can't be intimately involved with someone of an other race 
and still continue to hate them. So the more that you actually do have interracial love going on, I think the more we'll start seeing some racial harmony. Hopefully. Well, to be clear, I don't think we're asking for people not to hate us. I mean, yes, we do not want you to hate us, but that to me is like the bare minimum. What to me in this day and age, what we're asking is to help advance um, our rights, help advance our cause, help help us be able to have the same opportunities and access to those opportunities that you have. And that to me is not something you see a lot when it comes to white people. Because again, as we talk about Joe Biden, if it wasn't for a black person telling them, listen, you will not become president unless you make some um, concessions as it relates to my people. Joe Biden wasn't gonna do that on his own. But did he do it? I don't don't care. I don't care what his his motive was at this point. And that's the thing, like you're making it seem like, oh, they don't have their own interests. They just have a love for us and they just want to advance us. I'm like, do no, you think, they have their own Do you think interests. the civil do you think that the that the union didn't have its interest in, in fighting the civil war? Of course they had their interest, and their interest wasn't to say we must right. free the black people. Exactly. No, they had a financial, but it now, still happened. But it still happened. Like, hey, we need to help each other because, hey, I love my fellow black man, not because it's necessarily going to be a benefit to the white person if I help you as a black person, but, hey, I love my fellow man. The mere fact that it happened is the important part because I, I, I'm less concerned about the motive behind it. That's for them and God to deal with. I'm concerned only about the fact that you did it. I don't care that you only did it because you wanted to protect your 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 company prop your corporate profits. I don't care if you did it because you wanted to collect the black vote or something like. I care that you actually did it. And once you've done it, you've given us you've opened the door and allowed us to go through it. And so at this point, that's a benefit. I applaud you for doing it. I applaud you more highly if you did it for the right reasons. But if you didn't do it for the right reasons, I'm just glad you did it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which is, again, back to that other conversation, why it's political decision. (laughs) But anyways, (laughs) yes, we did have some progress when it came to some judiciary or or some um, convictions. And and, and particularly, yes, it was a violation of his rights to start my robbery, but they made it like a federal hate crime. And like you said, that's very rare that you're able to get that because that's an escalation um, of pretty much a a felonous. This is one thing, civil rights can be, again, a civil matter, but this is no criminally hate crime. And I think that that's rare. And, and, And this is a new federal hate crime. I mean, a new hate crime. Oh, no, wait a minute. Was that the state case with Arbery? Or was it a well, federal case? case the, the, it was a state case, but but recently, because he you know he, he was convicted. They were convicted a while back, but now, right. to your point, federal courts have said no. This was a federal hate crime. Yeah. So and on I'm, top of your state conviction, you now have a federal conviction. And you have to think about what the impact of that is going to be on people like the three good old boys down in Georgia that surrounded Ahmad Aubrey. They have to now at least think to say, wait a minute, I do have to give some consideration toward this because now the country is saying in the federal government, federal judiciary is saying black lives really do matter. <laughs> and and if you if you want to take that chance, go right on ahead. But the reality is, is that we are making progress, Sonia. It's slow. It's sure. But it will eventually happen. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> well, since my lifetime will outseat yours, hopefully ah, I'll see <laughs> She wrote me off already. <laughs> Statistically speaking, huh? <laughs> because I'm a black man. See, that's why we marry white women. They live longer than black women. <laughs> as long as you recognize it's a political decision. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, well, I know we have gone older, but this is the conclusion of our um, Black History Month, because I, I think this is the last Saturday, right? I know this time is moving. So I just want to make sure it is on record so all my viewers can hear. Dr. Williams, your life matters. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Thank you. And yours matter, too. 
right. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. You can catch us every Saturday right here at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. You can also catch us on your favorite podcast platform, Apple, others. And then you can also catch us on Star Radio. We'll see you next week. Thanks. This has been another episode of the Roundtable Consult. Listen to this or other episodes at your convenience on your favorite podcast directory or listening app. Or catch us live every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, 11 a.m. Eastern at facebook.com forward slash roundtable consult. Tune in live and join the conversation.